0: I'm glad you joined us today because today we are talking about a wedding feast. Weddings can be such happy occasions filled with laughter and memories and lots of fun. But the wedding feast that we're talking about today is unlike any wedding that I've ever participated in or that any wedding I've ever attended. You see, this wedding feast involves a king, his son, some ungrateful invitees, it involves a city being destroyed and murder, as well as a motley crew that were an afterthought. We are in a series called Parables of the Kingdom. And when you consider this as a synopsis of the parable that we're looking at today, I hope that you conclude like I do that this is going to be an interesting one. But before we dive into the parable, I wanna give you a little bit of background knowledge. Jesus was teaching in the temple just after his triumphal entry into Jerusalem. So this was right before Jesus was going to be arrested and crucified. And the chief priests and elders, they were mad, they were perturbed that people were listening to Jesus. And so they challenged Jesus and they asked him, by whose authority was he speaking or by whose authority was he doing the things that he was doing? Jesus, in his wisdom, he responds to them with a question and a promise. He said that if they could answer the question that he posed to them, then he would answer by whose authority he was acting. They couldn't answer the question that Jesus posed. And so Jesus replies, neither will I tell you by what authority I do these things. And then Jesus begins to speak in parables. And he tells three parables, and the wedding feast is the last of the three that he talks about. The implication of the first parable is that obedience, not just declaration, demonstrates true repentance. And the second parable teaches about the consequences of the Israelites rejecting the Messiah. After the second parable, the leaders, the chief priests and the elders, they were able to perceive or understand that Jesus was actually talking about them. And then he starts this third parable in the series of rebukes that Jesus is giving the leaders, the Jewish leaders. Before we look at the prepare, uh, before we look at the parable, I just want to remind you that a parable is stories that were told by Jesus, one of the best storytellers. And Jesus told these stories to explain some incredible truths that he packaged in the form of a parable, which is a story with a lesson or a point. So I invite you to open up the parable and discover truth together. It starts in Matthew 21, verse one, and we're going to read to 14. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, "'The kingdom of heaven is like a king "'who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. "'He sent his servants to those "'who had been invited to the banquet "'to tell them to come, but they refused to come. "'Then he sent some more servants and said, "'Tell those who have been invited "'that I have prepared my dinner. "'My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered "'and everything is ready. "'Come to the wedding banquet.' "'But they paid no attention and went off.' one to his field, another to his business, and the rest seized his servants, mistreated them and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and they gathered all the people they could find the bad as well as the good. And the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, take him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are invited, but few are chosen. There are three natural sections to the story, or three acts to this drama. The first act uh, begins or is an invitation that is refused. The second act starts with another invitation, and this time the invitation is severely refused. And then the third act is where the invitation is broadly extended, And then it ends with a closing statement in verse 14. So let's start with this first act that sets the scene. Jesus is teaching about the kingdom of heaven. And the story begins with the imagery of a king preparing a wedding banquet for his son. Let's look at the characters in the story so far. There's the king, God the Father, Jesus, the son, who's presented as the bridegroom, which is a way that Jesus is presented throughout the New Testament. And then you have these invited guests, the guests that were notified in advance. You see, they were not unaware that the feast was coming, and when they were told it was ready, they refused to come. These special guests are those rejecting Christ, I think a fair assumption that we can make was Jesus was speaking about the religious leaders because that's who he was correcting when he was telling this parable. But it also expands beyond that to include all the Jewish people that were expecting or looking for the Messiah, but were choosing to deny that Jesus was that Messiah. So the parable begins with the expected guests refusing this gracious invitation to attend the banquet. And by refusing the offer of grace, they refuse to share in the banquet and all that comes with it. It then continues into the second act where the king, in my opinion, he actually does something very unexpected or at least it would have been to those listening to the story at the time. You see, it would have been an honor to receive an invitation to a wedding and even a greater honor to receive an invitation from a king. And then think about it. You're actually invited to the wedding feast of the king's own son. What a huge honour. But but not only would this have been an honour, it would have also been considered a command. There's no way that you would have refused a king. And yet they did. So what does the king do? Well, he offers the invitation again. He extends grace again. They are provided another opportunity. Not only does he make another invitation, but he actually gives reasons for why one should come. He lets them know what he's preparing for them at the feast. You know, you think it would be enough that it was just the king doing the invita- inviting, but the king, in his graciousness, he explains, I've prepared dinner My oxen and fatted cattle have been butchered, and everything is ready. If what the king does is unexpected, then how the invited guests respond to the second invitation is surprising in most cases, and shocking as well. Some of the people, surprisingly, they just ignored the invitation. They just carried on with their lives. They went into the field. They went, into, went and did their business. I mean, the king has invited you for a second time, and you can't even be bothered to go. But then there's another group, and this is where the story takes that shocking turn because they seized the messengers. The ones that came to extend this gracious invitation from the king again, it says in verse 6, they mistreated them and killed them. No, this was historically true. The Israelites had often harmed and killed the prophets God had sent to them, and they were about to do the exact same thing to Jesus. Jesus. You see, throughout the Gospels, Jesus again and again, he invited people to come and follow him and he told them that he would give them eternal life. But it was because of their unbelief that they couldn't accept him. You know, the shocking response of violence and killing the servants that brought this invitation meant they no longer wanted to hear the message. They were not interested in the message and so as a result... They then killed the messenger. In the previous parable, Jesus told those that wouldn't accept him that they would not be partakers in the kingdom. And that is also demonstrated by the king in this parable. It says that the king was enraged and he sent his armies. He destroyed those murderers and burned the city. So let's just recap. The invitation is given. It's refused. The invitation is extended again. They're given a second chance. And this time they refuse again. And even more vehemently, they refuse. And then we're into the third act. And this is where the invitation has now been expanded. More are welcome. So go to the street corners, invite to the banquet anyone you find. So we now have additional characters that enter into the story. We have the newly invited guests. These guests wanted to attend. They said yes to the invitation. In contrast, they were not guests of a certain caliber. They were not well-learned or arrogant, like the Jewish leaders that Jesus was rebuking in the story. In fact, this group of guests made up of both good and bad but what they had in common was that they said yes to the invitation. These guests represent the Gentiles, and the invitation has now been expanded to include everyone. The second character in the story is the guest that's not prepared. This guest that didn't come in proper attire, he didn't have on the wedding clothes. You know, he knew what was required to wear to come to the banquet hosted by the king, and he chose not to do it. So he was removed and the king had the man tied and cast into the darkness. And it says that in that darkness, there would be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Based on that outcome, we can surmise what the proper attire is, what has been taught again and and again, repentance for sin and faith in Jesus Christ. That is what is required for entrance into the kingdom of heaven. True repentance is not just saying sorry and doing whatever you want. See, true repentance is saying sorry and turning around and now and now following Christ. You know, in Jesus' time, many people said they wanted to enter the kingdom, but when Jesus started to tell them to come and to follow him, they would walk away. They saw the cost, the requirement of fully submitting their lives to following Jesus, and they decided it wasn't worth it. When the day of judgment comes, many will claim to be a good person, or maybe they'll say that they've done lots of good things with their life, but Jesus will turn them away because they missed it. They thought it was about them about what they would or wouldn't do. But it's never about us, but what Jesus has done for us on the cross. By grace, you have been saved through faith and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, not a result of work so that no one may boast. They will be like the guest that wasn't prepared. Although they had heard the requirements, they thought that they were just being good enough or dressed enough to go to the wedding. And just like the guest who was shocked, they will find themselves shocked because they will not be ready to meet the King. So let me be clear and and repeat the words of Jesus found in John 14, six, where he says, I am the way, the truth and the life. No one comes to the father except through me. And in John 3, 3, Jesus answered him saying, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This lesson Jesus is teaching through the parables ends with this statement. For many are invited, but few are chosen. The word many is abundance. It's not meant as a limitation. Rather, it's meant to denote all that hear. The invitation has gone out to all, but some just refuse, some choose to ignore, and some want to come, but refuse to submit to the requirements of entrance into the kingdom. The chosen are those that have responded to the invitation to come through Christ, the only way there is to come. By this last saying, we understand the king isn't surprised by both those that accept as well as the many that will ignore The invitation was extended first to the Jews. Those who had the promise of the Messiah, who were watching for the Messiah, they were looking for him, and yet they refused to acknowledge Christ. So the invitation was extended, and today the invitation still goes out, and it's just as wide. And as the church, we actually get to be the ones through the Holy Spirit that now say, come, this is the good news that for the wages of sin is death but the free gift the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord we are delivered from the kingdom of darkness now into the kingdom of God into the kingdom of light we the church we must be the messengers of this good news And as we go out and share, let's remember the following truths that we found in this parable. Here's the first truth. God is the God of the second chance. Because God is the God of the second chance, we share again and again. As I said, when I've spoken to youth or to kids, I'm not saying that we should be annoying about it or we should shove it down someone's throat. But what I'm saying is just because someone refuses, that doesn't mean that we don't extend another invitation. God has done the same thing for all of us. And I'm sure you can look back on your own life and you can see the many times when God has been gracious to you and given you chance after chance after chance. And maybe you are the one right now believing this lie that somehow you're thinking your chances have been used up. Remember, it's not too late. The parable said the invitation went out to both the bad and the good. You know, what excludes us is never our past or or even our present, but our unwillingness to turn from it and follow Christ. So I invite you today, turn from your past, turn from your present, and choose Jesus. Here's the second truth, all are welcome. Being part of the kingdom of God isn't based on ethnicity or gender. It's not based on financial standing or education or popularity or how nice we are. It's not based on how attractive we are or how athletic our personality type or where we live or where we work. It's not a club that only those with, you know, that know the passcode will receive an invitation to enter. And it's for all of these reasons that we then cannot withhold the invitation based on our own judgments or make an assumption that someone doesn't fit into the kingdom of God. Rather, we should have open arms and open hearts for everyone. Third truth, there is only one way. We've touched on this a lot already, and it was clear in the message that Jesus was conveying that there is only one way into the kingdom, that we are saved through Christ alone. You know, we don't do anyone any favors if we're not clear with the message. No, there's nothing more frustrating than receiving an invitation and critical pieces of that invitation are unclear. I think about it as like a wedding invitation that comes and you accidentally spill coffee on it. And so some of it now becomes blurry. You know, in our efforts sometimes to be kind or maybe not wanting to offend, we can be blurry in our invitations. And we're not helping anyone when we do that. Let's help clear up for people those blurry spots and make it clear that there is only one way through Jesus Christ. The next truth, we are not responsible for the choice of someone accepting or rejecting the invitation. This can be difficult or even painful for many reasons. I think one of the main reasons it's painful is because the person that we're inviting is someone that we dearly love. And I don't want to be insincere about the pain or be trite in the situation. But I think it's really important that we remember where we fight our battles. And even the battles that we're fighting for other people, we fight them on our knees. We intercede before God for them. We ask God to soften their hearts and to open their ears to hear the truth. And we remember in that when we become worried or concerned, or frustrated, we remember that Jesus loves them far more than we could ever love them. You know, a lot of the other reasons why this can be difficult is because we make sharing the gospel about ourselves. We start to believe that we must not have done it right. Or if someone that was more professional or had the right words to say, then, then that person would have come to Jesus Christ and accepted him. Other times we convince ourselves that they don't want to hear it, or it will reflect poorly on us. Or we see that the opportunity wasn't there, and we don't even bother to extend an invitation. I will tell you that I've given all of those excuses and more. But that's what they are, more often than not, excuses. So what do we do then? Well, if it's confidence or doubts, spend some time learning about how to share the gospel. Become more confident in that. If it's uncertainty that someone wants to hear, then start with sharing about your own journey. Talk about how Jesus has changed and impacted your own life. Doors don't seem to open, then pray for opportunities and take first steps. You know, introduce yourself to your neighbor, begin a relationship, eat lunch, um with someone new at work when we're allowed to do that again sit with a parent you don't know as well at a school or sporting event respond to the prompting of the holy spirit you know i was out with a group of students and we split up into groups of 3 or 4 and, and that day i don't remember why i wasn't in one of the groups maybe it was because they were doing something that was way out of my comfort zone Maybe you're thinking right now, she's a pastor. How could it be out of her comfort zone? Yes, that's true. I'm a pastor, but I'm also shy. Sometimes I get scared to talk to a stranger. I have my own doubts and insecurities, just like anyone else. Anyways, I was alone at this point, and and I decided to sit down on a bench. And I remember thinking to myself, well, if I sit down here, then someone might come, and and I could talk to them and, and offer to pray with them. And I think I I did that because I was more afraid to just walk up to someone to do that. But regardless, I sat down on the bench. And a lady came and sat down. And I didn't say anything. And then I felt the prompting of the Holy Spirit. And he prompted me more than once. But finally, I was obedient. And I started to share with that lady. And she had a hard life. And she had thought that Jesus didn't love her anymore, that there was too much in her past that Jesus uh, could ever forgive. And I was able to share the truth about God's love for her. And, and she chose that Sunday then to come to church. I don't really know what's happened with that woman's story since those that moment. But what I do know is the Holy Spirit ministered through me that day. You see, our responsibility is to share. We are not responsibility. We are not responsible for how someone responds to what we share. Let me say that one more time. Our responsibility is to share, but we are not responsible for how someone responds to what we share. There is a feast that's the next truth. And what do I mean by that? Well, there's joy and laughter and hope and love that we all experience as being part of God's kingdom. We have freedom. The weight of sin is now gone. And we experience that today, but we also look forward to eternity where sin no longer has any effect. My mind can't even fathom that moment. Remember what David said in the Lord's presence, there is fullness of joy and lastly we share regardless even if that day when i when i started that conversation with that woman and she had said i don't really want to talk about god or, or any other statement that might have closed the opportunity that wouldn't have mattered because i had been faithful you see we must carry the invitation to our coworkers and our friends the strangers in walmart or those sitting on the park bench those that live next door to us and those that live on the other side of the world. And even if they ignore the invitation or refuse to listen, even if we're mistreated or even killed, may our refrain be the same as Paul's in Romans 1 verse 16, where Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. How beautiful are the feet of messengers who bring good news. Let's go out and bring good news to those around us together. Let me just pray for us as we close. God, I thank you so much that you sent Jesus. Jesus, I just, I, I can't even express how thankful I am that you were obedient even to death on the cross, and that you died for me, and that I am now part of your kingdom. And God, I I take that responsibility seriously, that I get to now share that good news of you, Lord God, with those around me. I pray, Lord God, for my for my brothers and sisters, Lord God, that they, Lord God, would, um, they would get even a, a greater glimpse of your love for those that are around them. Lord God, that their hearts would be broken for those that have yet to have chosen the gospel. Oh, Lord God, that have yet to even hear the invitation. And Lord God, I pray that you would increase all of our boldness, Lord God, that we would all choose to be messengers of the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I pray, Lord God, that even this week, this week I pray for an opportunity, Lord God, a door to open. And Lord God, that we would be faithful to walk through that and we would give you all the glory and all the praise for each one of those moments. I pray blessing and boldness on each one of my friends in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.